0: I have been getting so many questions about the new and exciting version of freedom found collective and let me just tell you our founders cohort was incredible and if that was incredible i don't even know how to label this next version because we have taken that we have we have distilled everything that made that so great and allowed our clients inside to receive such transformations and we have created a container to provide even more holistic support like it is a comprehensive private program helping copywriters triple their revenue and expand into the empowered founders and multiple six-figure CEOs that they were made to be. And when I say we, I am saying that because we have a board of advisors supporting every single copywriter inside of this program. So instead of just working with me, instead of just getting one perspective and one touch point to be able to answer questions and solve problems with you you're actually going to have specialists in different areas that are able to do that your personal board of advisors and one of them is mariella de la mora and she is an incredible leadership coach you'll hear her thoughts and just the way that she addresses conversations the way she coaches clients through problems and the way that she sets clients up for success as they scale their companies In this episode with her. So, you are in for a real treat. I would tune in until the very end because there are so many golden nuggets throughout, which will give you a glimpse of what it is like to actually be able to work with her, be coached by her, and just be in her genius. Now, applications to FFC don't open until May 18th, okay? But there is a way that you can get both early access to applications and access to an incredible bonus, and that is by signing up and joining me live at the six plus figure copywriter retreat. This is a 100% free three-day event for you to walk away with the exact strategies and actionable steps you need to amplify your growth and create profitable 15 to 50K months. And we are going to dive deep into the three core elements that you need to start setting yourself and your business up for scale and more freedom. So you can register right now at crystalchurch.com forward slash retreat, pause this episode go over to crystalchurch.com forward slash retreat and then come back and listen to this wonderful conversation I've had with Mariella de la More. You get to be a fly on the wall. You get to hear the inside of conversations that she's had coaching both six, seven, and eight figure entrepreneurs. These are literally the conversations that we usually have behind the scenes and we don't make public. You know, when we're talking to each other about our businesses, what we're doing, um, the way that we are working with clients. And, you know, if you've ever wanted to be a fly on the wall, with somebody who's growing six to seven to eight figure businesses, this is the room that you wanna be on because you're gonna to get to be a fly on the wall here in depth about leadership, the way that it plays a role in the growth of your business, whether you have hired zero people and it is you as a solopreneur, copywriter in your business right now, or you have a team underneath you with junior writers, maybe you've got VA, business manager, you name it, all of this is gonna be applicable for your stage of growth. So let's dive in together. You're listening to the Freedom Found Podcast, an audio community for freedom-driven entrepreneurs wanting to build and scale an impactful online business that allows you to spend more time with your toes in the sand than your fingers on the keyboard. I'm your host, Crystal Church. I'm a copywriter and consultant, borderless entrepreneur, and wannabe dog mom. On this podcast, we'll talk all things online business, marketing, strategy, mindset, health, travel, and what it's really like to be a borderless entrepreneur. Freedom Found is all about equipping you with insight and actionable tips to help you build your business around your life so you can spend more time exploring new cities, hanging with your family, working on that new business project, or quite frankly, however the hell you'd like. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Found Podcast, and I am especially thrilled for today's episode because if you have heard the news, the new and improved Freedom Found Collective is out soon for applications. And the wonderful Mariela De La Mora is one of our expert advisors inside of the group. And she is here today to share all of her knowledge about leadership and really what that looks like to scale a 6 multi-six and seven-figure business. So if you don't know Mariella, she is a business and leadership coach who elevates women of color into in-demand thought leaders with unshakable self-trust through mindset, marketing, and emotional intelligence. She has worked with seven and eight figure CEOs and even leaders in the United Nations. She previously spent 16 years as a marketing director leading international teams. As the eldest daughter of immigrants, she was often the only woman of color in senior leadership and had to break barriers to do it. She has since built a half a million dollar business as a single mother and served dozens of clients all over the world. Hello, Mariella. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Hi, Crystal. I'm so excited to be here and for our conversation. I feel like the lessons hardest learned are like the ones that are most rewarding to share.
0: Oh my gosh, that is so true. And even before we hit record, we're already talking about them. So I'm so excited to just like dive in and share really just like lessons from your journey and... 16 years in leadership and really working in like a multitude of capacities. So before we dive in, can you share a little bit about your years of experience and what this journey has been like for you?
1: Yeah. So I think my, um, when I consider kind of like my, um, more like formal leadership experience, meaning like more in corporate, it really began when I climbed the ladder high enough that It was more about like my concepts and my ideas versus like the things that I could do personally. And so I had roles where I would come into an organization and they had essentially nothing. And I was a like first marketing hire, which is a very entrepreneurial role because you're coming into the organization and looking at their goals, looking at their existing team, kind of looking at the infrastructure and figuring out like what systems do we need? What's the strategy? What team members do we need? let me go find those team members, let me interview. So I literally did everything from beginning to end. And I also had to work with them like they were for me and my team. So through like hundreds of interviews and dozens of hires, basically, I kind of taught myself, not just like there's the leadership lessons, but then there's also like the hiring lessons. And so after doing that, I really learned just a lot about how to influence other people, like influence colleagues without necessarily always having authority, how to just like mentor and develop the people that were on my team, like how to hold the vision, how to make decisions, just like all of those different things by kind of being thrown into really almost being an entrepreneur within a bigger business, which really, you know, just served me when starting my own business and really realizing that although the environment was different, a lot of the skills were the same. So that was kind of a lot about like my pre-business life, but I'm really finding that like there's in a way it's like, no matter what things change, like there's still certain things you'll always anchor back into when it comes to leadership, which we'll talk about, you know, a lot more today.
0: Oh, fascinating. Uh, you know, I'm also interested because like, I know you as just this like thriving leadership coach and you're just so wonderful at what you do. And hearing that, hearing you like kind of get thrown into the deep end, I'm curious just to know, like at the beginning of that experience for you before you had experience in leadership, Like, what were your reservations around it? And like, what hesitancies did you have to work through in order to develop these skills? I think probably
1: the biggest one was like, there's no room for you to be like, I need to get this right. I know there's the right answer because there's literally no answers when you're getting thrown in, which is almost why it's like building a business. It's like, you just have to move, like, you have to figure it out. And there's nobody around you that you can ask. I feel like that was the biggest difference, too. It was like, I would look around and it was like, they'd just be shrugging their shoulders. They're like, that's why we hired you. Like, we just trust you. And so I think that the biggest hurdle was just like, there is no right answer. The right answer is the one you figure out by making as many best decisions as you possibly can and then problem solving from there and then revising your strategy. So like, you just kind of have to get out of like, polishing and perfecting before you take action. Like you just kind of have to say like, okay, I know this. I don't know this. Like, I'm just going to take a calculated risk, make the best guess that I can evaluate. Should we change strategy? Do we continue the strategy? Like there's just so much of that. And I think that coming from marketing and working for like larger organizations that had a lot more like history and data and like preciseness, like going in and almost like working for a rapidly growing company, you just, not that it gets thrown out the window, but you really just got to like polish your chops when it comes to like just figuring things out, which is again, very entrepreneurial.
0: It is it's kind of just like the experience is the teacher in that case, right?
1: It is. Yeah, that's a good way to put it.
0: But I know now like what you you help clients on a regular basis have to go that have to go into that experience, be able to actually ask the question that you didn't get to ask because there was nobody for you to ask.
1: Yes, that's a good point.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> That's a whole nother like learning curve. I appreciate you doing the hard work, heavy lifting for us. For those of you who don't know, Mariella is actually one of like the original influencer support people in my entrepreneurial journey when I was making my first hires. I learned everything that I learned from Mariella. So I can speak, I can speak so much to just being able to have somebody there to ask. And, you know, sort of as we dig into this conversation a little bit more, thinking about those listening to the podcast. You know, we've got a lot of like very driven, very ambitious women. You know, very similar to you and I, and building, uh, you know, startup businesses online. A lot of them are copywriters, other service providers. You know, thinking about the level that a lot of our listeners are at, are between that 60k to 150, 200k mark in their business what would you say in terms of like the stage that they're at about leadership and how necessary is it for them to start to focus on leadership at the point that they are and as they grow into six and multi-six figures? I would
1: say you're always you're always a leader if you have a business because it's the only way you really can start one because you're already kind of creating your own blueprint from the beginning. So I think what I see is almost like, the way that your leadership shows up is just going to change. So there's going to be some cases where like you're leading yourself in the way that you're making decisions in looking at the market and kind of seeing like, Ooh, what's this like unique need that I feel? And that's a little bit of like industry leadership and thought leadership. But I think that once you have an offer and people are buying it and you know how to talk about it, it's like those, that leadership, it's like, okay, well, what leadership is needed for this season of my business? You know, and at that point, once you have an offer and it's sold and you know how to market it, then you're kind of thinking, like, okay, well, who can help me with this so that I can think about what's next for my business so that I can elevate client experience and really think about that. And it's like you almost keep elevating the skill set that is your highest value skill set in that season. And part of leadership is figuring out like, how can I be doing the most valuable work in my business? And then bring in support and bring in a team or bring in processes so that the other parts of the business can be taken care of, but not personally, like by me and my time.
0: Oh, I think that that is one of the things that we spend too long hesitating on because like you and I, right, we like to control things. We like to make sure that they're up to a certain standard. And so, and I know a lot of listeners are feeling the same way, right? So it can be hard to let go. And I know I could have let go sooner than I did on many things. And that's still something that I work on. So what do you say to that person who's like listening right now? And they're like, okay, I know you're right. There is a better way. I love the way you put it of, you know, your job, your primary job right now is to spend your time in the best possible way. So like if they know conceptually, okay, I should probably be working on this, but I need to do these nitty gritty things. I need to be creating these, let's say, pieces of content, things that maybe somebody else could be passed. And we're hesitating on that because we want to make sure that it's, you know, done in quote unquote our way?
1: Yeah. So first I want to normalize that so much that it is difficult to like, I'd say let go of control, but I think even just to see yourself in a different way. So even when you asked about like, what were some of the biggest challenges, that was one I didn't mention, but that was definitely one of them. And I think that's kind of getting out of this like precise way of thinking, like it has to be this way. And like, I'm the only person that can do it. And I think that One of the things I've realized is like the way that you create your processes, the way that you solve problems is actually to try it, see where the gaps are, see how you can refine it, rather than saying, like, I'm gonna do this thing perfectly, or if I could do something better, I'm gonna keep it. Because what you end up doing is you never actually like create the permanent solve. You just keep being the stopgap. And you just keep being the stopgap, and then you become the bottleneck because you're solving symptoms rather than like the cause so like for example if you're like no i have to create new pieces of content all the time then you're not solving for like well i've said lots of things in podcast episodes i've written lots of things i've sent lots of emails i have coached clients and there's probably recordings of that somewhere could someone feasibly could i create a system instead like your job now is to create systems for that instead of coming out of your brain every time so then now my job is how can i create a system where my team member knows sources of my voice, sources of things I've said that they can either repurpose or write from. And it's like, you think about the amount of time it's going to take you to create that system, probably going to take several times. Maybe it's something you're always going to update, but those hours are creating something that can scale. And that's hard because people will solve for the symptom and be like, yeah, but like every time it's not the way that I would do it. And it's like, yes, but while you're doing that, you're also not creating a permanent, like scalable solution. (laughs) So I'm like, what if you're just always going to feel like that and you don't wait until you don't feel like that in order to do what you need to do for your business? (laughs)
0: Oh, so much truth. I think you just call us out where we need to hear it. I can even say for myself, that exact example is what I've done in my business and brought in a team member to help support in all the marketing assets. So it's like, I get to do fun things now. Like the podcast is like literally my favorite platform to be on. And it's so easy for me to create here. And then my team gets to take that and they get to chop that up into so many pieces of content that's repurposed in so many different ways that you know, just serve our like longer term goals. So I think a lot of it too, and I'm interested to know your thought process here, but I think a lot of it for me has come back to, yes, what we need right now in the business, but I'm also thinking, okay, one year down the line, five years down the line, where do I want us to be? And so I'm like, I know that we can do things with our content now that like, it's going to take time to build SEO, right? It's the long game. And so if I can have somebody supporting that might not be fueling the current state in the business, but I can actually have somebody already working toward our five-year goal, that's pretty great. Like I literally don't have to lift a finger.
1: (laughs) And then you think about, I have plenty of time to make this better. It will never be done. It will never be the best. It will be the best if I start it right now and figure it out. So I think like what you said about like the five-year vision, it's like even being able to spend time there to be like the things, the seeds that we're planting now, the problems that we're solving now are going to, you know, also feed like our long-term rather than just getting stuck in like the day-to-day. Cause I think that that's what a leader does is like, they stand at the helm of the ship. So they can see, like they're supposed to be able to see like what's coming further down the pike. And if you're down in like, you know, in the helm of the ship, like look in the details with everybody else, then like who's watching, like where you're going. So that's a big part of like solving problems at the core so that you could stay at the helm, at the front of the ship and see where it's going.
0: Yes. Oh, that's so true. So thinking about like a lot of our listeners are probably sitting at the point where they've got some hires in their business, whether contractors, um, most likely maybe employees, or they're thinking and they're at a stage where they're like, I probably, I probably need to do this, right? What would you say to that person at, you know, either of those stages who is thinking about that five-year mark and what they could start doing at, just as a leader right now, not even like like the actual tactics they need to deploy, but just as a leader, what can they start doing to incorporate that five-year vision into their, you know, daily and weekly leadership? Yeah,
1: I think that's a good question. So, how do we keep our five year visions kind of in the forefront? I think that what the five year vision does is you kind of think about like, what are the things that are gonna almost like stack on top of each other that are gonna feed that, like solve this greater problem? You may not know what that's going to look like and you're not supposed to know what it looks like, but like, how is the actions that you're doing now gonna like? I don't know, make an impact in like that world without you necessarily like knowing all of the steps I would say. Cause I think that the part of what makes a vision a vision is that like, you're not, it's a far enough away from you that you don't actually have like a plan for it. But I think that the way that you do that is by staying out of the weeds, like at a certain point, because I think otherwise you are just looking at like this month's business or this year's like sales goals So it's almost like the difference between how are we going to hit like this year's targets? Are our clients happy to like, what's the greater impact that we want to make? Like, who do we want to be known for? What are some things that we're seeing that other people aren't seeing? Like, what do I want to be associated with me personally, let's say as a founder, what impact do I want my company to be associated with? So it's just like bigger things. So I think when you think about your vision, you start asking yourself different questions. And so I think that that does require like time and you holding a vision, I'd say instead of kind of being down on the weeds.
0: Absolutely. And just laying the groundwork that like you said, you don't necessarily know what you're building to, but you know it's going to help you in the long run.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because I think that a vision can be as simple as impact. Like I think about that in my business and I think about like a greater vision is like, I want more women and women of color in positions of leadership, whether that's leadership of their own life Leadership in corporate or leadership in their businesses, but like more of them in control of their own lives and destiny, which is so big that I'm like, I'm probably not the only person. I'm not the only person contributing to this vision, but that's just something that I'm like, that's never gonna change. I'm never gonna not care about that. I'm never not gonna think about that, you know? So I feel like that's what makes it a vision where you're like, ooh, I can't hold it. <laughs> but then I'll know if something is off my vision because I'm like, does it actually relate to this? Or is it just a thing I can sell, you know? So it's like, there's a lot of things you could do, but the vision is like, it doesn't change. Like, it's just there. That's what makes it feel like a vision to me.
0: Yeah, so beautiful. Okay, so coming back to leadership then, let's really just talk about the role of leadership. You know, what is it? How does it impact you? How does it impact the business?
1: People describe leadership in different ways. (laughs) I think that being a leader is holding a vision kind of knowing what's going to come next, or at least kind of feeling like you know what's going to come next. And it also in that sense means like kind of going first. So I think that people look to leaders because they value the way that you think, they value their ideas, but they also are literally like, okay, well, where's this person going and why? And so I think that that could be you being an industry leader. It could also be you being a team leader. So I think all of those are forms of leadership. I think it's leadership of what? you know, is it leadership of your business, leadership of your team, leadership of your industry, leadership of yourself, like you feeling like you're in the driver's seat. So I think that it depends on the answer of like, what are you leading?
0: Yes. And the stage, you know, at which the phase of the season of your business, you know, I think that what's so beautiful, as you said, like leadership of yourself too. So if you're somebody listening right now and you don't have anybody on your team, you're sitting in a beautiful spot to be able to lead yourself and practice, what does that look like? to then bring people on and then to make your life easier, to then be able to expand in other ways, like Mariela has said.
1: It's a good point because as you were saying that about leading yourself, like that's a pillar, like that's a foundational piece to lead someone else. Because I would say like self-leadership, even if I think about it in terms of like emotional intelligence, right? So we use our emotional intelligence for everything. Self-leadership might look like problem-solving, decision-making, you know, knowing yourself, being able to advocate for yourself, self-trust is self-leadership. And if you lack, let's say, if you really struggle with decision-making, problem-solving, self-trust, and then you bring someone else that you're leading, you'll kind of magnify that. And that doesn't mean that you can't be a good leader, but it does mean like you're still going to be doing that same work, but now you'll have someone else who's kind of looking to you. So I feel like it really always does come down to you know, really, just you trusting in your own ability to solve problems, make decisions, all of that, no matter what, and like knowing that it's going to be a process. But I feel like that's honestly the most foundational, like, pillar to anything else.
0: Yes, yes, and I feel too like it's a, a constant evolution because you're always confronted with something new, whatever season you're in. It's like, oh, wait a second, I, I thought I had this down. Wait, okay, it's an ever-evolving journey.
1: Yeah. And you won't. And those are the things you always come back to, which is why I was like with leadership, you really always come back down to, you know, problem solving, decision making, like different things that are really like it's never going to change. But it's just like the package that it comes in might be a little bit different Mm -hmm. and not being afraid of that.
0: Can can I ask, what would you do or what kind of conversations do you have with coaching clients who are sitting in that place where maybe they have some team members, they need to continue to develop their own self-leadership? You know, in order to support the team. So something came up today <laughs> with a client who's a I love this, like in the weeds
1: with you. Okay. And here's the thing, it's just like I'm i always tell my clients things because I, I want them to also solve things at the root. So I'm not gonna commiserate with them, even when they're coming to me with something. So like I have a, I have a client who has a seven-figure business. And the challenges, I've been with her for the last three years. And so I've seen her, you know, evolve. And so now what's sort of happening is she's hiring experts. Like experts. I was like, we're not hiring anybody who's a crapshoot, anyone who's aspiring. We're hiring people who have done this job before who have a solid track record. Like that's who we hire, right? And so she's got those people on her team. But now, like at this level, there's like full-time hires. I'm assisting with a full-time hire now. So it's it's very, it's different, right? And so now what we're doing is looking at like kind of a little bit about what I was saying earlier about like, what's your job now? Like your job is literally to get out (laughs) of the weeds. And also, um, so something that came up with this particular client was that the question was when I bring a mistake to my team member, they don't take ownership of it and they blame it on something. And they're like, the question was, how can I get my team member to just take ownership over it? And I was like, I think the question we should be asking more so, because I was like, even if she took ownership, how does that solve the problem of the mistakes happening? So it's like, I have to shift the perspective at this point to just be like, the point is get out of that conversation and like, just like, we need to get you out of that conversation. So I was like, the question is not how do you get her to take ownership over the mistake? or saying like, oh yeah, my bad. It's not going to happen again, basically. And I was like, how does that solve the problem? So I was like, it's to solve the problem at the root. So I was like, close the loop with your team members. Like now your job is not, you literally cannot afford to be involved. Everybody on your team owns the full loop of their job responsibility. So if they're a systems person and something in tech didn't work and that was the reason, it's like, okay, how can you create a permanent solution for that? Like literally delegate how can we solve this so that it doesn't happen again? You don't need to do it. Get out of the role of you solving problems. Now you delegate the problem solving to your team. Like clearly give them whatever you need. But I was like, I don't want to, you need to get out of the back and forth at this point. So it's just funny because I feel like a lot of what happens at the seven figure level or going up to that, honestly, even going up to that is you have to take, it's the hardest part. It's like getting your ego out because you really want to be right And all of this, and it's like, it doesn't matter about any of that. You actually have to take ownership of things all the time, even when you want to make it your team members' fault, like you it's not even about fault because fault is not productive. <laughs> like, how do right. we solve it?
0: It just makes us feel like like I think at the end of the day it goes back to like childhood, right? Where you know it's like, oh, so and so did something wrong, so and somebody needs to come back, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like somebody has to be punished, or like somebody has to say sorry oh, yeah, and I'm like,
0: Why are we playing this game?
1: <laughs> yeah, but it is that. So I was like, If you were to just ask yourself, like, how is this my responsibility to solve? Even if it is a team member's responsibility, it's like, okay, how is it my responsibility? Okay, I'm seeing that it's coming up. How is this team member possibly right? Okay, maybe it is a systems thing. If it is a systems thing, how can you close the loop on that so that it doesn't keep coming back again? Stop responding to symptoms and look cause. And it's just funny because I was like, you got to get your ego out of it. You got to get your ego out of it because you have other things that you need to be doing. So it's just a big, it's just a big
0: thing. (laughs) But once she does that, then I can already see her future for her. It's like, once she does that, she now has an (laughs) autonomous team who is solving problems without her even knowing they exist. So she'll, she'll have them just operating in the background and then, wow, what does that like free up for her? You know, like all that visionary space, creative space. It has to be because your mental space. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the thing is your mental real estate is too valuable to waste in back and forth. And it's like, fine. Let's focus on the facts of the situation. This isn't about blame or like whatever. What are the actual facts of what happened? And I think that the bigger your business, it's harder for you to like prove a case. It's almost like people will get into like, I want to prove the case. And like, they think they did what I asked them to do, but I said that they didn't, or it's not good work. And I'm like, we have to get granular down to like, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? And how can we document that? How could we make things like way more clear so that we're getting the bigger the business and the bigger the team member and the more you want to delegate, like the more things have to be like much more crystal clear. And like, was this documented? And if it is, you know, like kind of going back to that because subjective like interpretation is you cannot scale that.
0: Wow. Yeah, you can't. You you absolutely can't. And also, why do we want to? <laughs> it's like Yeah. Yeah. I think that you're like right on the nose there with like making making systems that are so clear that if anybody else comes into the business, like for example, like our business manager, she's got like several weddings she's in this year, right? So we're missing her at key points uh, during launches, like during some of our most heightened points in the year. And like, I'm literally not stressing about it because, you know, we've taken the time A, to prep for her absence, but B, also just in the past, I would say year and a half to document everything, systematize everything and make sure like if somebody is absent, somebody else could come in and look at an SOP, standard operating procedure, and see what needs to be done.
1: And that's such a good point too, It's like you do really think about like that's really what like sustainability is. It's almost like, you know, do we have something that is like overly dependent on any one thing like working out a particular way? So I think like Instead of relying on the perfect person or someone who just gets your brain or someone who's two steps ahead and like all the things that people say that they want in a team member. And I'm like, that's great, but also like, how are you bringing someone into your business and setting them up for success? How are you actually documenting your brain? If you want someone to get the way you think, like it's weird. Like you, you end up having to document things that you don't think that you need to document, but it just is like the work that you're doing in the short term is setting you up in the long term, And I feel like that's a big part of, especially into like the multiple six figures where you actually are like, you have to delegate, you know, you have to delegate more. So I feel like that, that is a big thing.
0: Let's dive into that a little bit deeper. Can you talk us through, like, what are some of the lessons that you've seen, um, either maybe you've experienced in your business or with your leadership clients at the, let's say, 60K to 150K mark? So just bridging that six-figure mark in the business. Yeah. And I think
1: at that that level, I'm seeing people make their... First hire, I would say maybe you have two hires if it's something where someone is also doing the actual, like a subcontractor essentially. So like if you are a copywriter or something, I have someone who has a systems business and she's bringing on board a project or she brought on board a project manager and a VA because that project manager allowed her to scale. So it was like being very clear on like, how is this person going to help me scale? So I think that a lot of times at that level, we're seeing people that are hiring for the first time or they're hiring one to two people around the same time. So they're usually hiring before they actually have like a super solid idea of like their processes and they haven't needed the processes because it's only been them. So I feel like they end up getting, having like a job description, but you'll be surprised how many people don't do a job description. They'll just like go on search on IG or something and then they'll reach out to someone and they'll schedule a sales call and they'll hire a contractor, which is fine, but they don't actually have a job description. And then the processes come later. And then the complaints, let's say the, or the, I say complaints because I'm a leadership coach, but the challenges will be things like a lot of subjective back and forth. And it's because they didn't actually create the processes first.
0: There were no clear, like, was it established expectations or boundaries? Yeah. And there really weren't. I think that what they
1: do is they hire someone that they like, that they feel good about, but they hire them under the assumption that that person is going to think like them or that they're going to be a few steps ahead of them. And they'll use terms like steps ahead, proactive, things like that. And it's just like, that's just not sustainable because you're kind of asking your contractor, your team member to sort of like, like keep things in their brain. And just like, it's like, you need systems for that. So I feel like that's the big part there is being like, being a good leader. A lot of times is just setting your team up for success like just documenting things and preparing them more so than anything else and then you won't have to rely so much on like day-to-day leadership because it will be easy for them to know what it is that you expect to do and i think you're not also not making very high risk hires at this point either like i think that a lot of the times when you think of like the reason people hire vAs at first is just because there's inevitably like administrative things and all of that but like they're not super high risk, meaning like unless your business model is super complex and like different, like you're probably bringing people in that's like, oh yeah, sure, I've got that. Like I've done that before and they can kind of dive in and help you. So I feel like, you know, it doesn't take much to just say like, this is how things work in my business. I also would say too, 60 to 150K marks, sometimes people hire prematurely because they haven't created like systems and automations before they bring someone in. So then they're bringing a VA on board to like do manual work. And then you end up paying your VA for stuff that a Dubsado or Zap could do. And so I feel like that's another thing is like automate onboarding and offboarding, automate as much as you can with simple stuff. And then you bring in your VA to help with like content repurposing and like sending out client gifts and things like that which I think is, it's like what could the chicken before the egg, like what comes first? But I feel like automations, then hiring (laughs) your first person.
0: If you're a copywriter who has your eye on freedom, your eye on a business that gives you more of your time and your peace back, and you are ready to get out of the messy, draining journey to your first six figures and learn how to triple your revenue in the next 12 months so you can live out your intentional lifestyle, then it is time to save your seat to the Six Plus Figure Copywriter Retreat. The copywriters who join me live for this event are going to walk away with the exact strategies and actionable steps to amplify their growth and create profitable 15 to 50 K months. So if you are looking to grow and scale your business, if you're looking to get out of the grind of one-to-one work, or maybe you've already started an agency and you want to relieve yourself of being the bottleneck, or you want to be able to branch into and scale your coaching and digital offers. This is the retreat for you. We are going to be talking about a different primary foundational theme you need each day to be able to, Get out of that and start to create more freedom both in your business and then in your life as well. So, day one, we are going to be talking about evolving your business model, right? With nothing more than your current skill set so that you can rely less on what you're currently doing, on being the bottleneck, and be able to actually take this business to scale. Day two, we are going to create your plan to increase your revenue with an additional six plus figure planner from my personal resources. So, this is the planner that I use for the Casey brand every year when we're mapping our year on year growth. I'm going to share that with you. I'm also going to be doing some hot seat coaching, and you and I may be able to sit down one on one together on the call to be able to map out your revenue or learn from somebody else's being mapped out. So, day two is going to be so, so much fun. We're going to get nitty gritty with that. And then that's going to lead us into day three where we're there going to design your predictable leads and sales mechanisms So you can actually hit those revenue numbers and tap into more choice in your day to day. So you know where your leads are coming from, where your revenue is coming from, and then let that be your primary mechanism to scale and grow the business to more freedom. So come and register and join me May 16th, 17th, and 18th at crystalchurch.com forward slash retreat pause this episode right now and go register at crystalchurch.com forward slash retreat it is also linked in the show notes and then come back to this episode and listen to the rest of the great conversation Mariella and I have had around leadership so many aha moments and really just so many golden nuggets that you can start to take and incorporate into your own business But I I think also just to have somebody there to like see the blind spots of like even knowing, like there are even things that I can think of, like honestly, I'm thinking of, I could probably put them on two hands, like how many things there were that I could have been automating, but I did not know that systems automated it. (laughs) Like I did not know that there were certain um, things that you could either zap or automate and click up, whatever. And then I learned them and I was like, oh, wait a second. Okay. If I had set this up, like, adds a system at this point when we started this instead of rushing into something because you're like, oh, new strategy, new tactic. I'm going to go and I'm going to deploy this. And without setting it up properly, then you end up, I think, costing yourself a lot over time. And if I automated it from the beginning. And it makes sense
1: because when you're doing work, you don't realize you're just like, oh, this is just, it's like normal to you because you're doing it. So then naturally you think, well, I'm going to bring in another person to do the work that I'm doing instead of. How can I not do the work first of something? And then you can bring someone in. So I even, one of the things that I did early on, and I would have done it differently now knowing what I know, but I'm still glad that I did it, was I did have like my systems like actually built out, like, so how we manage projects and like simple automations, even just in terms of like when someone sets up an appointment with you and it creating a task and like a CRM and all of that. At the same time that I hired, what I didn't do up front either was automate my entire onboarding and offboarding of clients. So it's like, I did the math and I'll say this because I feel like people should hear this. I did the math when I finally did onboard everything from my customer experience, onboarding, offboarding, how much I had paid my VA over the last almost two and a half years of her doing (laughs) some of this. And it was $10,000. Holy smokes just for that. And that's just based on their, they track their time. And so I was like, oh, let me just estimate that half of their administrative time was on this because that was the biggest chunk. And so I was like, so I paid $10,000 to not automate my onboarding and offboarding when I could have just brought in a Dubsado expert and just automated it. So that's what I mean. Like you're going to invest your time. You're going to pay for it either way, but you may as well do something that is scalable.
0: Yeah, you are going to pay for it either way, and I think that that's I think that's a beautiful lesson to learn because it, it I'm sure now influences other decisions you make on outsourcing to people to ensure that you don't actually like waste more both both money but also energy right and time in the business in the long run.
1: Yeah, it, which is also why I'll tell my clients you're not ready to hire because you don't even know what you want this person to do and you don't even have like processes documented, like your SOPs will create your job description. So even that, it's like your SOPs create your job description because you're like, here's your areas of responsibility. Here is like the processes. And if there's like a certain standard, like document that, and then you build the job description from that. So there's a lot. And then that's also could be like part of your onboarding. So when you do your SOPs, You have your job description. You also have some things to onboard them with. Otherwise, you're onboarding them with your words, and that is not an onboarding. (laughs) Like, we have to onboard them (laughs) into something. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It could literally be like five things in your business. And you're like, here's these five things. Mm -hmm. Here we go, you know? So it's just, it could be something super small. But I think that that in itself will make some, will help somebody who doesn't feel like they're a good leader or they've never done this before just getting stuff out of your brain and being like, wait, I do have a process for this. Or wait, what is, oh, actually I do this third step differently every time. Let me sit and think about this. That in itself will help you feel like a better leader just by doing that.
0: Oh, absolutely. I can even say in the past cohort of FFC, our founding cohort, this is one of the key things that we worked on as a group, as individuals, like them sending me messages and being like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Like, where do you see gaps in this? And me being able to poke and prod and say, okay, well like, what are you doing between let's, let's get really granular and say somebody signs a contract with you. What's the immediate next thing that you want to happen? What's the immediate experience that you want them to start to go into? And the, all it takes is just setting up these things one time and having somebody be able to like support you and how to make it easier, how to automate it, how to improve, like you said earlier, that client experience, which I know is so important to both of us. And then you've got it up there in you know in the cloud in the back end working for you, and it's it's the foundation that then will allow you to take that either brain space for yourself or let's say you have a VA or a business manager and be able to then free up their time and your revenue so you can pay them to do something else that's more impactful.
1: It is, and that actually makes me think about how like that's how your hires will pay for themselves and then some yes. is literally by freeing up your money making capacity. Or they literally can have part of their job description be outreach for like networking or, you know, podcasts or like pitches or just anything like doing long form, anything like that. It's like your hires pay for themselves. That's how people have jobs. You think about in corporate America, the only reason why a job exists is because it facilitates that company making more money than they're paying you or they wouldn't like have the job. So it's literally like that. And I I want people to see that like having a team and investing in systems, like all of it has like an ROI that's like almost unquantifiable, but it is so like worth it, including your team members. Your team members help you make money, but they also like just give you your piece back. So I think that that's what it is. Like team members are such a valuable investment which is why it's worth setting them up for success as best you can.
0: Absolutely. And I feel like you just summing that up as in this is why you do it because it allows you to then be able to go on and do other things. I think that is my biggest lesson learned as I scaled to, even I would say past my first six figures, as I scaled to and then beyond that, that was the number one lesson I had to learn is like by spending the time to automate roles and by supporting them and going back to creating like more autonomy in those roles as well, then it just opened up a whole new world of possibilities of what you could do in the business.
1: Yeah, it is that. And I think like, even when you said like opening up autonomy too, it's like, I feel like that's kind of where I'm like full circle. Like how do you own and close the loop on something? Because otherwise they're always going to be going to you to close the loop. And that's fine if you need to be, but a lot of times CEOs are closing the loop but they should just be like either handing over an SOP and being like, this is how I want you to do it. And we're going to do it the same way every time. Or I trust you to make the decision like one or the other. I mean, and even in my business, like I, um, there were certain things that I resisted handing over fully, like even something as simple as what gift do we send to, to a client? Like when we're onboarding them, for the longest time, I was like, no, I want my whole experience to feel so custom and all of this and really realizing like, I think I was doing that for me. And like, I think that that's great, but it also could be wonderful if I send everyone flowers instead of me going and like shopping. I literally did not hand that over for like the first year and a half. Like I was like, no, but I know this person and I want the gift to be. And then I was like, why am I on here online shopping for like every client and doing all the things It's like, what if I just have something really heartfelt that like I can send them a really nice message in the flowers that I send them or something. So it's like, it's little things like that, where it's like, where are you holding on to something in the name of like client experience when in reality, like, is it worth the time and energy that you're spending on that? Or could it be served? Could it actually be better spent looking at your client experience, serving them, looking at how you can help get them, you know, create happier clients or better results versus like Things that are really like menial, you know? So it's just a lot of control (laughs) that we got to let go of.
0: I think so too. I think it's also a lot of like just the rhetoric in the online space about like new ideas and ways that you can or quote unquote should be doing things. So it makes you feel like, oh, well, if so and so is doing it, I should be doing it. And it's like, you don't see so and so is like back into the business. You don't know how much is automated for them to pull that off. And then you're trying to do like, all of what you're seeing other people do or claim that they're doing publicly. And like you're one person or one person with some contractors or maybe an employee. And it's just not replicable without doing it, I think from an individualistic, like look inside your business and what you actually need.
1: Yeah, you have to do it that way because you really don't know what's happening in someone else's business either. And there's plenty of, I could say this, there's plenty of seven-figure businesses that are like a hot mess in terms of like, you know, their team members are constantly leaving or quitting or whatever, which isn't necessarily always like a bad thing, but it's just like they just they're bringing people into chaos and the your team members are not going to solve your chaos Like the chaos exists like in your mind or in your lack of systems or in your lack of direction. But I think people will like either replace team members when really it's like not their fault. So I think like I especially when I work with done for you service providers and they talk to me about their um, like difficult clients. So I've I'm like coaching them and it's like the difficult clients and the way that they describe a difficult client is like the scope is constantly changing, everything is a fire, their client is like reactive, everything's last minute, and I'm like, you know, honestly, it's just they're trying to help the client solve it and i was like i just see that this is a leadership problem so like you're not going to go and make this client a better leader you can suggest things if your role is to create sops and processes you can certainly do that but if they aren't on board with that or that's just like out of scope it's difficult to solve things so it's like by you being a better leader people are like happier to work for you they actually can help you but yeah that's honestly that's what it is and then they'll put it on the team member to solve when in reality it's just something that comes up in you know, and just like a general leadership skills in planning.
0: But how fascinating to apply leadership also to then how you're interacting and leading your own clients. So it's not just about having a team member. Leadership is allowing you to do so many other things. It
1: is. So you're just like not reactive all the time. Because I think that that's a big thing that you'll see when someone like just isn't, like I'd say when they're not solving problems at like the core, they're always, it It just feels like they're very reactive. And so their clients will notice it and their teams will also generally notice it too. And they're just like not happy in their business. Like I think that that's another thing is like leadership also just helps you feel at peace in your business versus kind of feeling like everything's up in arms and like, you know, it's just, everyone can feel the difference between somebody who is a good leader and, or is being coached. So I feel like all those things to just like have a grounded mind, like when you have a grounded mind and you know what's coming and you're the person that's like, you know, solving problems in your business and making good decisions, then the ripple effect is like felt everywhere.
0: So can you share with us some of the transformations that you've seen your clients experience? Like you touched on that just a moment ago of everybody feeling like more at peace. Like what are some of the journeys that they've been on and then and what, what does the other side look like for them?
1: Yes. So I think a couple, one of them... One of my longest standing clients started out with like an all hands on deck VA (laughs) because she really was like, no, I just need somebody that is like, no, is a jack of all trades. And I remember when I first started working with her, that's who she had. And I just remember always saying like, that is like carrying a platter of like food and being like, if anything touches this, like I'm going to drop all the trays because you have one person that is doing everything in your business to support you. And like the minute she's sick or on vacation, you know, and it's also just not feasible. So like that person had a very hard time letting go of the fact that like this person's role, like it just wasn't going to fit the future of the company, even though they were like really good at their job. And eventually like it just didn't work out. So I've coached this particular client and others on like actually releasing team members that were no longer like either reshaping roles, releasing team members, but this client now has one, two, three specialists on their team. And she, the other day explained, she's like, I, she went to like, she has a very glamorous life. She was in Europe with her fiance and she sells with lifestyle. And she's like, I understand what you mean about hiring experts now, because she's like, I immediately feel like a sigh of relief where she's like, we go on this trip. The trip was planned for me. They're telling us like, these are the shots that you need. And in order to like support your webinar launch and someone else is handling it. And she's like, I have team members that are coming to me being like, okay, this is what's due. You've got this, here's your itinerary, here's your plan, here's what we need from you. And she's just like, I feel like, I don't even know how I was doing this for like so long.
0: Wow. So I think
1: that that was a good explanation of like someone who was like really good at doing a lot of things herself, but like moved away from like a jack of all trades hire versus like individual specialists who like fully owned their role so that they even to the extent that they can tell her what to do and what they needed. And she loves it. She's just like, I from now <laughs> forward, like want my team members to be leaders and literally tell me what they need from me whenever that makes sense so that she can, you know, clear up her capacity.
0: I feel like this is full circle back to what we talked about at the very beginning of creating those roles, like you said, that like close the loop, right? Like why do problems break down? Why do they happen? It creates that autonomy. And then look at how much independence both the business has and then she is the as the founder or CEO
1: exactly and that means that means a lot of things so it's like if there's a problem they solve the problem they come to you with that solution and your team members also working together is also an, another kind of leadership challenge at like the seven figure level because they'll have these different specialists but sometimes they actually need to be planning Together And then coming to you after as opposed to you sort of being the individual, you'll almost have someone in like a supervisory or like project manager role. That was another um, game changer was doing that and actually bringing people in whose strengths were that. So I've worked with this client of mine to like, have all of her hires do disk assessments. So that we can look and be like, what are their natural strengths? Because we want them operating in their natural strengths rather than getting like a very detailed, structured, task-based person to be kind of operating it like outside of that. So it's like you've got your systems people, you've got your very creative, like extroverted, like people motivated people. So it's like that's it's been a lot of that of like how do we hire specialists who are just like doing their best work, like really leaning into their strengths and like owning, like fully owning the loop, like. Closing the loop on you know their responsibilities, so
0: yes, I think too it's just about like you said earlier scaffolding on like that that self leadership from the beginning too. So if you're listening right now and you're thinking, oh my gosh, it sounds like a lot to have a team and have the specialists and all the things, like know that it like makes life easier. It gives you more freedom and like you've said that peace, Mariela, like going forward in the future. But like right now, all you need to do is learn the next step in front of you, right, is get, get some insight into the blind spots that you have, right?
1: It is. And it's always going to evolve, right? Because, you know, the challenge right now is like documenting your steps or whatever, but eventually it is going to be like, how do your team members work together and getting comfortable with hiring specialists when maybe you don't know as much about like their roles. It's just, it's always going to be different. So I just think like you're prepared for the challenge that's directly in front of you. You're going to be a different person by the time your business is like Two or three times the size that it is now. So that's okay. Like that version of you will be equipped to do that, but just kind of being where you are right now.
0: Yeah. And you become that version by doing that, by doing the process, right? Exactly. And so I see that
1: all the time. And even, even people who have like way bigger businesses that still maybe like haven't, but I see the effects on like those sizes of business. Cause I have a client who's like a real estate developer who has like an eight figure business. And there, it's the effects have been like so long standing over years and years and years of like tens of thousands of dollars, that I'm like, you're doing the right thing by just at least asking yourself the questions. You know, sitting in the leadership lessons now because your business is as like simple as it's ever going to be right now. Like I think that almost is the case for anyone. Like it's like as simple as it's going to be. So just it's okay. Like just solve the problems in front of you. You're perfectly capable of doing it. The world's not going to implode. You will be fine. You will recover. And if you think more about your ability to like solve problems, to recover, to you know make decisions, you'll fixate less on like perfection or avoiding mistakes because that's like literally impossible to do. You know, that's actually part of the leadership lessons. Like I think part of the journey of becoming a leader is actually having like mistakes to look back on too. You know, it gives you perspective. So I feel like don't shy away from that either.
0: It does. It does. And I think also just like thinking about the way you described that like it just doesn't just make you better leader, but like a better person. like I feel like I'm a more patient like partner now I feel like I'm more understanding and thinking about the ways that like I might go about having a conversation with with a friend or with, with something that might not have sat well with me right whereas like first I might have been reactive and now it's like okay, why might they have done it that way I just think it translates into so many areas of personal development.
1: It really does. This is why I was like leadership skills like show up everywhere because you really do have to check like your assumptions, your emotions, and then it, I feel like you'll go into conversations with like how do we both get what we want? How do we solve the problem rather than right or wrong? Cuz <laughs> right or wrong conversations like the one that the example that I gave you around like how can I get this person to like admit and I was just like that's not even a productive question to ask you know? So you're right. It's like, if you were to think about that in a relationship or something, you're like, is that even a productive question to ask? Why don't? How do we like help each other out and like all get what we want, you know? Or how do we like listen? How could this person be right? Because I feel like that's another thing. If you think about like a conversation with your partner (laughs) and a conversation with your team member, I ask my clients like, could they be right? Is there a part of them that might be right? Even if you don't want to hear it, because the part of them that might be right, could point you to a hole in the system somewhere. So it's like so much ego, like, oh, Oh. we don't like it. We don't like it. It's the ego. It's like, let her go. (laughs) It is. Like (laughs) ego and leadership. It's just like a, this is careful balance.
0: (laughs) Just a moment though. I think we need to acknowledge it. Like, I think- when we talk about leadership, especially for people who are um, new to it, just getting into it, actually, you know what? Maybe not especially for them. Maybe especially for people who have been in it already and like following patterns of what they thought leadership looked like. I think this could show up anywhere. But like, I think we all often associate leadership with having an ego. Like, you're supposed to. You're supposed to be the boss. But in fact, it should be this release, right?
1: True. And it's because that's what model to us a lot. Like, it depends how long you spent. It depends how long you spent in corporate and what kind of job you had, but like honestly, sometimes that's who we see is like someone who maybe shouldn't be as as like confident as they are. But yes. I'm like, what are you? I just remember overhearing so many conversations where I'm like, I don't really understand anything this man is saying, but I'm trying to follow. But it's just like you're just like yeah, and they're just like right, they're like they could be very bold and wrong or, you know, whatever, but they're just like confident. And it's like, you know, here we are sometimes just like sitting here and like doubting ourselves, but it's just like, yeah, I think that is what we get modeled is that it's supposed to be loud. It's supposed to be full of ego and that you have to be right all the time.
0: And, and, and very sure about yourself. Like you have the answer versus maybe somebody else on the team does. Like maybe I don't know best right now.
1: It is. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's what I say like too, like leadership is so many different things. Like leadership sometimes is curiosity. Like it means like you don't know the answer, but you maybe um, are thinking of really good questions. Like that's like literally a leadership skill is curiosity. What questions are you asking? Problem solving all of that. And I think that um, that it almost gives you permission to just be like, what if you're not supposed to have all the answers? Because if you have all the answers, you're not growing. Like, there should be unanswered questions around you all the time where you're like, I don't know. We'll figure it out.
0: Doesn't that feel so much better than Like, I yeah. feel like you just saying that is like, wow, the air is lighter. Yeah, because I'm, I'm like, honestly,
1: who really does, like, have all the answers? And, like, you're, you must be, like – you're just not growing if you know all the answers for everything like around you. Like leadership really is like that bridge between like where you are and where you're going. And you're just kind of the person with the flashlight, being like, I don't really know what's in this forest, but I'm just going to walk around and like I'm going to shine the flashlight. And people are just kind of like, okay, we'll we'll figure it out. We may take a wrong turn, but you know that's it. That's really all it is. Is you're always like bridging a gap um, in leadership, and it's inevitable that you're going to have you know, mistakes or turns or not proud moments, like honestly.
0: Absolutely. But you're gonna learn so much from it, right? I know. I like I learn more every day. Every day. Yeah. And I think going back to that fourth analogy, you're you're the wise wizard along the journey in the forest who will help give us a dice and point us in the right direction. The wise wizard. It
1: is. It
0: is. I mean, and that's
1: the thing, is that doesn't mean I'm not gonna get us lost sometimes, but like it's okay because I'm like, I trust that we will figure it out. It's like we're it's not your job to take the straightest path from like A to B. It's just like, can we figure out how to get there? And I I wanna say this out loud too, because for anybody listening, if they um if they feel like they're not a good leader or they're afraid of it because they don't wanna like manage people or you know, whatever, like. I don't know if this is like of comfort it will it will be eventually but you are inevitably going to look back and be like I don't I don't even know like what I was thinking like I'm just doing the best that I can and but that doesn't mean that you're not a good leader like it's a it's an it's a verb like you have to do it in order to get good at it it's almost like you couldn't expect to like be fit if you weren't like going to the gym all the time like leadership is like something that has to be done in action. And so like kind of give yourself grace in advance because you're going to have team members who, you know, like are confused or you're going to have, let's say clients that aren't happy with the work that you did or something. And like that all takes leadership skills. So like, I think that I want people to know that, that leadership is a verb. Yes, and you have to do it and you will figure it out and that the mistakes and all of that are just going to be part of the journey, but that in the process of the of doing the verb, you're going to get better at it.
0: Absolutely, because the mistakes are what, what show you how to improve and how, how to change and how to adapt in different areas.
1: It is, and it helps ground you. It helps ground you so that every time that happens, it takes the charge out of it and it makes it a little less scary. And you're just like, you know what? Nothing's the end of the world. I've got this. I, I will figure it out. I've done it before, you know, and that's what makes someone a grounded leader. That's what kind of p- gives you the, um like the calm grounded energy that like other people like, they're like, okay, she's got this. Like, you know, we can trust her. It's sort of like the, um, like the the pilot of the plane. You know, like if they were freaking out, everyone would be like, oh my god, there's turbulence. Like we're freaking out. And it's like, what if the turbulence? Like people are calm during the turbulence. If the leader is like, it's okay, I got this. <laughs> Even if
0: inside you're like, ah! absolutely, you're looking to the flight attendant and you're like, uh. Yeah.
1: Even if, even if sometimes you're like, I, I, oh my God, I actually don't know. But I think like you could be transparent with your team. You don't like project onto them, but I just think like, it's, it's okay. It's, it's a verb. Just go through the actions and, um, you know, like inevitably you're going to feel really, it's just as soon as you feel like, okay, I've got this, there's going to be another thing. So like, you may as well, you may as well just like know that this is just a perpetual part of like your self-development and of growing your business and of growing your team. Like you're never going to be done. It's just going to present itself in a new way.
0: Absolutely. And whether or not you're leading somebody right now or you're not, and you're considering, should I make a hire? Like you, you are already leading, like, you just said i think that's so beautiful it's like it's a perpetual part of your journey and that is why i invited you to come in and be one of our core advisors inside of freedom found collective because i saw this as an essential like essential piece to doing this in a way that that both creates um you know ease for that longer vision like we've spoken about but also just in the day-to-day and feeling like you know you're able to handle what's on your plate whether that's because you've delegated because you've automated or also just because Because you've learned to be that self-leader and you've learned how to step into that visionary role and create more peace for yourself.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's the part that is like the most rewarding because that's like you. And like you said, that's the part that other people will feel and that translate into everything else into your life.
0: Yeah, everything. And and the way you show up in your business and the way you work with clients, it's it's just so, um, I think let's see, like a golden thread that's like tugged through, whether whether it's through the business or the rest of your life.
1: That's a good way.
0: Yeah. It's so good.
1: That's a good way. People will feel it. Your team will feel it. And if you're a coach, especially oh your clients will feel it. Absolutely. Because when they're catastrophizing and it makes sense because it feels really big to them, you can really sit and just be like, you know what? I've got you, like, it's going to be okay, you know, because you've also been through your own challenges. So it's just like your personal development, like leadership and personal development are synonymous, you know, and I think you'll always be doing it to some extent.
0: Yes. So whether you're thinking about um, scaling, you know, done for you work or consultancy or, you know, an agency coaching or, um, you know, educational, like digital products, like leadership is going to play a role in all of it. And Mariella is here to support. So applications are not yet open to Freedom Found Collective. They will be open in a couple of weeks. But when they are opened up and those women that come inside this new and, and just so comprehensive and holistic version of Freedom Town Collective are going to get direct access to you and get to learn, uh, you know, and get to get in real time, like hot seat coaching. You're also going to be doing custom trainings for us. You're going to be in the program on a very regular basis and just supporting in both the self-leadership and then all the other areas. So I am so excited for this. Like I cannot wait. I think this is like the missing piece.
1: Yes, I'm so excited. And honestly, I think like as a group, it will actually be so much more Um, it'll be so much more exciting because then I feel like everyone can just like normalize the things that are hard and just like really like work together on it. So I feel like it's going to be, it's going to be so good. I'm really excited.
0: It is. It is. So keep an eye out for when applications open up. I am so excited for the women that are going to get to work with you, that are going to get to learn from you and just be able to bring problems to you and say, okay, this is happening. What do I do? Or I know that I have blind spots, but I still can't quite see what they are. Can you help me point them out? Um, I think that's what saved me time and time again. It's just people showing me blind spots. And I'm always asking for them. I'm like, what do I not know? Like, please, somebody tell me so I don't go down a path too far, you know? And sometimes
1: even if somebody points it out, I'm fully (laughs) prepared to coach people on their thoughts about it. Because that's a huge part of it is like, We will talk about it and then we're going to talk about your thoughts. And then I'll say, okay, you've got that. And I will sense the hesitation. I'll go, tell me your thoughts about that. Tell me everything that's going on in your mind. And then they'll tell me and I go, okay, this is, we're going to coach on your thoughts about it because there are certain scary things that, you know, that that are going to feel really big, but I'm, I'm excited to even just kind of talk about the, the resistance that may come up, the hesitations that may come up and just help everybody feel like they don't not only know what to do, but they feel good about it. Um, because that's that's even more important because that's the difference between knowing yeah. what to do and actually doing it.
0: <laughs> that's so true. Oh, so much so much parking is going to go down. So yeah. if you want to learn from um, Mariella, if you want to learn more about Freedom Found Collective, you can come to my free retreat, the six plus figure copywriter retreat, which is happening May 16th, 17th and 18th. You can register in the show notes here and then applications are going to open up on the last day on the 18th for Freedom Found Collective. Uh, there are limited spots. We want to make sure that cohort sites are um, small enough so that we're able to give you, um, you know, the most amount of support that we can. So if you're interested, then you can fill out your application on the 18th. And again, you can go and register for the retreat. It's a three-day event super tangible. If you've been to any of my events, you know it's not fluffy. We're going to do the real work, including your revenue planning for the next 12 months. So come and grab my my personal spreadsheet on how I do revenue planning and watch me do some live hot seat coaching with somebody in real time as well. It might be you. And yeah, let's just enjoy our time together and learn as much as we can about how to take your business to the next level. So Mariela, I want to ask you the question we ask at the end of all of our podcast episodes, which is, you know, so many of us start our businesses for a version of freedom and to live out whatever that means to us in in whatever capacity. So as you're thinking about the listeners today and, you know, what you've seen as uh, an expert leadership leadership coach, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs at the, you know, six edging into multiple six figure level that are interested in bringing more freedom into their life?
1: I would say, (sighs) I would look at like, where are you giving up what you consider freedom now, because you think you're going to get it later. And how can you start to create space for it now? Because I think who you are along the way is sort of who you're going to be at the other side. So I would actually say that, like, how can you create room for what that thing is that you think is at the other end of this, like rainbow and actually say the way there is actually through creating that now. Because so sometimes that has to do with work-life boundaries. It may have to do with creating space for joy. It may have to do with creating white space on your calendar. And I think don't sacrifice at all thinking you're going to do all of this like work and that one day you're going to give that to yourself because it's a behavior. So, mm-hmm. so that's definitely wow. a trap that I that I fell into that for sure. Uh,
0: yes. I see myself in that so, so much. And it's so hard because you think, oh, at a certain point, I'll let go. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> then that's like, it that becomes figure. the person you are.
1: It becomes <laughs> a someday. Don't get caught in the someday trap. Don't get caught in the someday trap. How could, what, how could you find bits of freedom, whatever freedom means for you now, that's actually your way there. Yes. So I'd so say good. that that's, that's really big for me. So especially with me being a mother of a six year old, I'm like,
0: this is really important. <laughs> yeah. How can you constantly maximize what you have?
1: Yeah, it is. Cause that imbalance is like, I'm teaching myself how to be, I'm teaching myself a norm and you, we tend to uphold norms rather than like totally challenge them later. So I think that that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a trap I fell into in corporate and I just, I didn't want to bring it with me into, into entrepreneurship.
0: This is why we need your insight. I think that we should put this on like a post-it note or like even better, put it in your Google calendar just as a reminder. That's like just the question, like go back, like literally go back 30, 45 seconds in this episode, listen to the question that that Mariella has posed, copy, paste that into your Google <laughs> calendar and, and every like three, six months, ask yourself that question. Mm-hmm. And because then it may change. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. It's going to change and there's always something w- that we can do. Um... You know, even, even if just to give ourselves a, that boost of, oh, okay, you know, I'm not alone if I'm feeling like I don't have enough time or I'm doing too much or whatever. Like I can always come back to this question. You can change anything at yes. any point. Like you are not in cement, you know?
1: Absolutely. And think about what sort of business will you build if you're telling yourself you don't have freedom, but you need your business to give it to you versus you have freedom now and the sort of business and the decisions that you'll make from that point is like so different.
0: Holy shit, you just flipped it all on its head. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that is so good. Well, with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that perkly. Like, go back 15 seconds. Listen to that again because that's gold. And yeah, why why are we waiting until later? This has just, I think, been the most insightful conversation. Thinking about just different stages of leadership, how that evolves, how it shows up at different times, and just you being that support person. So no matter what is going on, you are there to support and help um, through that. So thank you for pouring into the Freedom Found community so so much. It's just been such a blessing to have you on.
1: Yes. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for all the conversations we're going to have and just to be part
0: of it. Yay. Yeah. We cannot wait. Thanks. Just, wow. These are the types of conversations that I cannot wait for you to get to have with Mariella De La Moore inside of Freedom Found Collective. This is just gonna be such a game changer to the level of access and support that our FFC clients are able to have and be able to have touch points with different advisors depending on what your needs are at any given time. So you can set your business up ultimately for success and ultimately for freedom. So if you have not already, go and register to join me at the six plus figure copywriter retreat happening may 16th 17th and 18th this is where it is all going down the exact strategies steps and insights that you need to grow your business to profitable 15 to 50k months and of course the insider access to applications and access to our special special bonus so go and register right now at crystalchurch.com forward slash retreat and i will catch you in our next episode